Straight out of the heart of Texas, here come the students of conflict, helping you become a better Malifaux player and reach the top of the podium, one game at a time. Hello! Hello! And we are trying to become better Malifaux players, leveling up ourselves and hopefully leveling others up as well. We do that by interviewing top third players from the Lone Star Conference, playing in Malifaux tournaments across the U.S. We're not trying to capture their entire tournament journeys here. We want to take an in-depth look at a single game from each of our guests. What were key decisions that they made before the game, during the game, and now, looking back at the game, what were the things that they learned and could pass on to others? Our basic format is we interview the guests all at once, just as soon as possible after the tournament, where it's all fresh in their minds, and then we can get some good cross-flow between the guests. And then rather than publishing one long marathon podcast, we break it up, releasing one individual podcast per guest, helping people level up one game at a time. So today we're speaking with Brian, Jonathan, and Trey. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey. They came in second, third, and first respectfully at the 14 January Lone Star Conference Tournament in Houston. We're going to be releasing them as episodes 2A through 2C. And of note, we played this tournament with non-legally binding clocks. It was the first time that we'd done that here in this conference. And uh, so we'll be talking about clocks a little bit as we go through. So anyways, uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Really appreciate you being here. And uh, wanted to start out with just uh, kind of the, the icebreaker kind of questions. What's the factions that you play? I've, I've only known you playing Rezzers. I don't know if you've been Rezzers forever or, or what. Yeah, uh, well, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, appreciate being on here. Um, yeah, so I'm main resers. I've been playing resers since literally day one of Malifaux three years ago. Um, and I've dabbled a little bit elsewhere, but I I can't leave this faction. Um, I mean, Has it really only been three years for you? Maybe four? It was wave four of second edition. Okay. Whenever that was. Because um, that's when Reva came out. Uh, it, it, anyway, um, so I've dabbled in guild. And I really like guild, but I just don't have the time to learn guild well enough. So I just, I can't jump ship anymore. <laughs> Got it's it. Sad. That's fantastic. That'll work. <laughs> so <laughs> something else that, uh, uh, that this was the first, uh, tournament that we've used clocks in here in, uh, uh, in the Lone Star Conference. And so interested in your thoughts and kind of just as an icebreaker um getting to know maybe your personality a little better could you talk to us about your thoughts on clocks before this tournament and then did it change during this tournament did your thoughts change so i was always strongly against clocks for the longest time uh, but that was because i've rarely had issues with my games running over i don't really have a lot of time um my strategy is killing a lot of things, and when your opponent has no models, <laughs> then they really can't take up your time. Sure. Um, I mean, I think in all of third edition, I've only been timed out in two games total. Um, wow. It's so it's, it they never felt necessary to me. Uh, and then the Vassal World series started using it and implementing it, uh, so I started using it on there. Um, and honestly, it's not that bad. Um, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Uh, in this tournament, it was definitely a challenge because physically having to hit that clock was very difficult to remember. Um, I mean, if you watch my game, the one that was streamed, we yeah. all I always miss the clock. Uh, but we were still like 30, 40 minutes under the time, you know, because the time was still ticking. But 
I, I think clocks are a great idea, uh, especially to help push players along when they go, oh my god, I took seven minutes thinking about this activation. Um, and what I think it's going to do, which I think is great for the game, is it's going to take players who are using those long burn crews that summon 15 different models and overwhelm you with so many numbers mm. and models and activations and AP. Uh, and those players are not going to succeed anymore because of you can't run those in a clock tournament because you run out of time and then your opponent gets free activations for you know, two full <laughs> turns. Um, so I think that the health of the game will be better and it will help manage those uh, those crews that eat up a lot of AP and time in games. But that's my take. No, that's cool. So thank you for sharing that. Appreciate that very, very much. And uh, going to be lots more discussion on that as uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure as, as we as we roll forward as a community. And uh, but that's cool. So already wanted to ask uh, shift into this particular game. Uh, which round are you talking about, and and why? Um, was it the most interesting? Was it the cool? I I noticed it was a loss, and that that is absolutely cool. Thank you for coming forward to talk yeah. to us from a guy who ends up on the podium. Uh, talking about a loss is maybe cool for people, but yeah, what was your thoughts on choosing this one? Yeah, so I mean, the first game is was probably my toughest game. I mean, obviously, independent loss, so it was definitely was my hardest game. Um, but it was against a, a Dallas player, Carlo, who's excellent at the game, um, and I felt like I took away a lot more from my first round game than I did the other games. Primarily, not primarily because I learn more from my loss than I do my victories. Um, so I do. I don't mind losing because it means that I will have learned something. Um, if I didn't, I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, no, that makes great sense. And, uh, and thank you. And thank you also for sharing that. So uh, <laughs> uh, this one, you took your, uh, your standard Von Stuck list, right? This is the, the default list kind of for you. This is my default Stuck list um, before. Um, it, it was my default list way back when, before the second wave of Masters was released. Okay. Uh, I ran Stoke with Whisper, uh, Anna Valdictorian, Soon Viscera, and two Necropunks with Grey Spirit's Touch. Um, okay. and, and, and I am going to interrupt because before, and, and I definitely want to go in depth on the list, but I asked that kind of weird because I wanted to talk some about Von Stuck. And if it's just like, because it's your default and it's t you totally feel comfortable, you know, why did you choose him going into Outcast? You were playing into Outcasts. Um, I don't know if you were... You know, and could have faced anything in this round because yeah. Carlos got. I mean, is there anything? A lot of. He has Teary. all of Outcasts. I guess he doesn't have Teary. You don't really have to worry about Barbaros, but he has everything else. So, what yeah. were you thinking you were going to face? And did you just choose Von Stuck because of that, or is it just kind of fall into the default, or what? Um, I mostly chose Von Stuck because I'm so comfortable with him, and I ha I've been sort of out of the game for about a month or two, so I really haven't had a lot of time playing rounds so i felt like i was gonna play a master that i was very comfortable with um top that out with the the strategy was really good for stoke which i'm sure we'll get into uh the pool i'm sorry the pool is really good for stoke and then also corner deployment sort of ruins my normal anti-outcast master which is jack doll um you can't run jack doll in a corner because you can't get anything done till turn two turn three and by then you lose the game um but what was very interesting was Carlo countered my list really, really well. Um, obviously, um, I do play a lot of games in the tournament scene. He has seen my matchup. He has theorycrafted a lot into my 
generic crew. <laughs> um, so he brought the perfect, you know, screw you, Brian, counter to the table. Uh, and I definitely paid for that. So. Okay. That, uh, yeah, we've, we've talked some in the past about the knowing a local meta and some of the pros and cons of having a local meta. You know, you've got a pretty good chance of knowing what you might be facing on a given matchup and, and that you can tech for that. Uh, and there, there's absolutely good and bad to that. So, so yeah, so coming into this tournament, were you, you, were you kind of expecting to play, no matter, even if it hadn't been outcasts on the other side, if it hadn't been Carlo, were you kind of planning on Von Stuck for this one just to, just to be an easy start for round one, you know, kind of thing? Yeah, I, I figured I would probably run Stuck two games, and I would start it off just so I could, you know, get the juices flowing and get back into the game. Um because like I said, it's been it's been two months, and I just I needed to flip some cards to get uh, get back into it. Um, and you know, I, I don't think that was the wrong choice. Looking back, maybe Reva would have been okay here. Uh, there's kind of a couple options I probably could have ran, but I'm so comfortable with Stuck. Um, I think it was the right call. I just misplayed a couple key scenarios, which ended up costing me the game. Okay, yeah, and we'll have a chance to get into that for sure, which will be cool. So, um, what else did you have in your kit? You mentioned Reva, or Reva, but uh, who else did you did you did you bring? Oh, I mean, I, I have most of the Reser factions, so I have a okay. lot of options. Um, I mean, my my main three is uh, Stuck, Reva, Jack Daw, and then I dabble with Molly and Seamus. Um, okay. I don't play Karai or Yanlo, but other than that. I'm, pretty versatile with the faction um okay but i feel like those four cover just about every scenario i could run into so i don't have to worry about the rest yeah no it makes great great sense so cool that uh, i had also wanted to ask that this is the first tournament that we've had since the november errata changes and so not any impacts on you necessarily maybe some on you you were maybe less likely to face tara uh coming out of uh coming out of outcast but yeah did that enter into your mind at all as you were kind of doing the planning or not really not at all um i I agree with with all the changes i was very happy seeing those changes that came out um a lot of the nerfs were really well done in my personal opinion um yeah i mean the the nerfs were very well done and it didn't really factor in because i know carlo runs terra but he won't run terra into me just because terra is a bad matchup in the shtuk Okay. Um, Anna Lovelace, his henchman, turns off a lot of her abilities. Oh yeah. Um, I had not even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that alone, you just can't run Tara into Vresers because Anna Lovelace is such a good out of keyword pick as a counter tech to her. Well, um, what um, specifically is Anna bringing to the table that Tara does not like to see on the table? Uh, she prevents placement, which is huge into Tara, right? I mean, she's got a with her base size effectively a 14 inch bubble of you cannot place here. Um, so she stands in the middle and just prevents you from doing anything. Um, you also can't target your own models because of hostile workplace environment. So if you're trying to target your own models to bury them or move them around, you can't do that with Anna on the table. Um, and I, I mean, everyone says, oh, well, then you just kill Anna Lovelace, but she's a defense six, will power six, armor one with stone usage and a built-in heal on her melee like she's not going to go down <laughs> just kill anna yeah yeah i've, I've, yeah. I've tried that <laughs> just, one just flip red <laughs> joker, that trap many times <laughs> i hate anna so much yeah uh, 
good times. So, so yeah, I, I was really worried about him bringing, uh, bringing anything like that. Like definitely the 33 nerf ruined 33, uh, for his gameplay. So Tara's off the table anyway, but, um, if you're playing Outcast in a Rezzers, you should always bring Levy. Levy has to be your pick in the Rezzers. Uh, he has a lot of built-in tech with the irreducible damage, uh, with Alice ignoring hard to wound on her gun, um, and all the ping damage. You can just shred Rezzers but like, at, like after deployment. It's insane how good Levy is into Rezzers. Um, so... I was already on the back foot starting the game just because of he did have that option to his matchup. And I couldn't play my normal Jackdaw who who's terrifying can sort of bleed that bleed that out and I can get around his uh his unmade trigger, which you know, on a tome you ping one irreducible damage since Jackdaw targets movement, his defense triggers mean nothing. So I don't have those options going to Outcast because of the encounter. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate this. <laughs> um, I blame you. <laughs> so I had to just try to work with what I had. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I feel like I did pretty well. Um, like I said, there was a couple of small things I could have done differently. Um, but, um, you know, definitely took some lessons away from this loss. And the, can you talk about the this the pool the encounter overall um and maybe i, I don't want it to be a jack daw podcast but but you know the trade-offs <laughs> on you know what about this was specifically so bad that you're like oh no i'm definitely taking you know even oh, though i'd like to take jack into uh my opponent or is it just too late because you know he sits down with outcasts and it's time to declare masters and then by the time you you know, you're suspecting that it's probably going to be Levy, but you don't know. So, you know, there's really no chance for you to even really think about declaring Jackdaw until it's too no. late. You've already merged Stuck. Uh, I might have been a little frazzled, you know, just trying to get everything organized. And, you know, I didn't touch, I haven't touched my bag since the Texas tournament. So trying to pull stuff out and get reorganized. And, you know, there's some stuff missing and things like that that I had to sort out with Doug. Um, yeah. But I mean, the scheme pool was great for Daw in general. The strategy was great for Daw, but you can't play Daw in the corner. You just you can't do it. Okay. He, he needs to be in their face. Start a turn two, throwing out upgrades. Um, and if you're if he doesn't have upgrades going out in turn two, then you're gonna have a bad time. And so, I mean, once I see corner, that just gets ran off my checklist. Like, can't play this. Okay. No, thanks for sharing all that. I appreciate yeah, no, that very, very I mean, much. No problem. So excellent. So we got you through uh, through your master. So on the crew, um, ag again, here, just uh, some of the specific folks that, that you picked for this one or some of your choices on the, uh, uh, yeah, do you always take Grave Spirit's touch on the Necropunks? Or, you know, those kind of questions. Just what can you tell me about the pool? And then also the, the, the Soulstone pool that you had left over. Is Six feeling about right on this? Or does that always yeah. feel high or what? So six to seven is about right for Stuck. Um, you you can go a little bit more, but it's not really that necessary when your opponent has irreducible damage, because a stone used to prevent doesn't matter. Um, so my audible. So normally I run two stones of Isra, and I don't have upgrades, so I have seven stones. Instead, I brought the two Necropunks with Regen and Terrifying, because a cover cover operation you're trying to run to the corners and you're trying to tag objects 
and you want them to survive. So terrifying will keep them up. They have regen, they have heart of wound, they have armor. Um, they're height one, so they can hide and knock it shot to death. Um, so I definitely audibled the two Necropunks in. And that was definitely the right choice because that's what scored me most of my points. Uh, I also chose uh, Leave Your Mark because in general, Shtuk is very good at dropping ski markers. Shook 2 is. Uh, I mean, he has an action where he just throws one as a shockwave. Uh, yeah. What I did not realize was one uh, wanted criminal was on Rusty Alice, so she had a bonus to remove ski markers. Uh, and then also the scavengers had a trigger on their bonuses to remove ski markers. So literally, I, I couldn't score Leave Your Mark because he just kept eating my ski markers. And once I realized he had those options, it was almost a dead scheme to me. Uh, but then I brought Hidden Martyrs because I assumed he would, you know, kill a model, uh, kill the Viscera, and then I'd have a Necropunk run in turn five and go, aha, I scored a point. Um, but he didn't end up killing in either of his models until turn five. So it was very disappointing in that. But it wasn't that he was trying to avoid killing them. He just wanted to really kill Anna and the Valedictorian who just weren't dying. So win-lose in that scenario, I guess. I don't really know. Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, he's he's throwing AP at, uh, at at some very, very, very hard to remove models. Right. The trade-off and, is, yeah, he's, he is denying you points. So, yeah, I, it would be interesting to talk to Carlo and see if he considered that a misplay or not. You know, it ended up being fantastic. But No, no, it was definitely a play because if you don't remove those two henchmen, you're going to have a bad time. So okay. if you have the option to kill them, you remove them as fast as possible. Okay. Um, and I mean, with Irreducible and Ignoring Heart of Wound, he definitely had that in his arsenal. So he ended up bringing, um, he ended up choosing Hidden Martyrs and Vendetta. Vendetta from Rusty Alice on the Valedictorian, which is why he was trying to kill her so hard. Got it. And then Hidden Martyrs was on uh, a Necropunk and a Scavenger. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Ended up killing the Necropunk because it, it was going to stop me from scoring. And then on turn five, I just I like, couldn't get away from it. Okay. So he's able to uh, get the extra hidden martyr point up on me, which is how he won that game. Got it. So um, the real list building question, though, is that yeah. uh, I noticed that he. I know took... we're still list building. I'm going all over the place. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's, this is actually fantastic, and I am I am dragging you all over the place too. So now this is fantastic. But I did have. The most important list building question, I think, is that uh, he took Necropunks one and two, and you took two and three. And so <laughs> I, I want to know, like, what do you have against the little fat one with his long arms? Like, like oh, that's what's my the favorite. deal there, man? <laughs> yeah, no, that's my favorite, too, because that's the one that stays on his base and doesn't exactly. break. Aha, okay. I'd added the Necropunk for the two. And I went to remove the viscera, and I removed the necropunk on accident. So when you add it back again, it becomes three. Mm. Okay, okay, so. got it. So that is the key. So yes. no, I just I saw that. I was like, <laughs> okay, game because he got the best necropunk, and I did yeah. not. And and that's why you lost. That's worth one Did not bring necropunk number one. That's an yeah. extra point. Oh, uh, that is amazing. So, all righty. Um, so as you were looking at this again, kind of some more, but before the start of the game thing, we talked through. Um, uh, all of the scheme kind of things. Um, any thoughts on his game plan when you saw that? 
um, and possible schemes that he might have taken. You know, had you guessed his schemes? Was it was it kind of obvious, or did you just kind of end up figuring them out after after he would not let go of trying to uh, get Vendetta on? So when you run Stuck two, and Vendetta's in the pool, you just have to assume it's going to be taken, and you're going to give away a point for it. I mean, you have two ten cost henchmen who are in their face doing damage. They're going to want to kill him. So you're going to give up the first point vendetta. And it's very difficult to stop it without tabling your opponent Um, or them getting unlucky and happenstance killing him with your, or killing their vendetta target on accident. And hidden martyrs was also very obvious. Uh, And the reason being is that he brought four models that were six costs, five costs. I mean, that alone just tells you uh, that you likely have hit a Martyrs. Load them up's not an option. In your face isn't really an option because Rusty Alice is going to hide in a corner and shoot you from afar. And then leave your mark. You're not going to out-scheme Stuck. I feel like when we went to the game, we both knew what the other one had. Especially just because we played each other in the past. We know the other play styles and we've seen each other. So we, we know what the other one's going to do. And there's really it's very difficult to switch that up in this specific pool with those matchups okay and so then it's just a matter of you you know what the scheme probably is almost assuredly yeah. you're not necessarily sure which model he's got right. picked or whatever and so then yes. you're, are you, uh, during the game and, and though i may be jumping ahead but yeah were you able to suss that out during the game uh, are there tells that either you have or he have has that you were able to suss out usually there is um i like to do cheeky kills on those types of models you know use entropy or hazardous terrain or conditions to kill those models um that i think might be the hidden martyrs but when you have four i'm sorry he had five options because i think marlene is also eight so it could be marlene and a necropunk so when you have five models on the table that could all be hidden martyr targets you just have to do something you don't really have a lot Just of options. kill them all yeah yeah <laughs> so so the goal in those scenarios is you want to kill you want to kill two models in the same activation and hope those are the two models that they chose <laughs> that's <laughs> that's your best bet if you don't if you can't kill them with conditions or kill them with um i'm sorry i said entropy earlier that's entirely wrong because that's an ability but if you can't kill them with like a condition or has a strain or something like that so no that's awesome. So already, yeah, the open discussion for during the game. What was what were the most interesting lines of play? What were the key moments? What was the uh, what was the stuff that looking back on you're like, oh, this is this is why I chose game one. Let's talk about this. Yeah. So the biggest mistake I made this game was you know if you go and watch it, like it's on um, it's on YouTube, uh, Heroic Scale Gamers. Uh, if you watch it. On turn two, I dove on Levy with Anna Lovelace. And that was a massive, massive mistake. And that's actually what I feel like cost me the game. And the reason why I say that is because if I took, I don't know, four or five damage just on my activation because of the <laughs> unmade trigger. Uh, you know, it with the unmade trigger and entropy and all the other little like ping damage, she took so much damage to on my own activation that I ended up killing my own model. Um, 
what I should have done instead of having your dive on levy, because my idea was I dive on levy, you know, I, I have a built-in heal trigger, and then I can punch him and heal the unmade damage, and um, I forget why I couldn't do it. Something was happening where it wasn't working as well as I thought it would. And if I just sat back and just took shots and just shot the scavengers and the necropunk or even shot Levy, who doesn't have the built-in tome on his willpower, um, she would have survived a lot more and had a lot more influence on the game. But my thinking when she dives in, she survives because of her built-in trigger, um, Siphon Life. And then he can't heal Levy anymore because of her hostile workplace environment. That was my thinking. I was like, oh, I deny his healing. You know, I won't be able to kill Levy, but I can burn him down so he has to teleport back into his deployment where the hollow waves are hiding. And then once I do that, he's effectively out of the game for a full activation, which is amazing. And I, I hit him, and I just bounced off. And uh, at that moment, I could feel that the game went really sourly against me. Um, <laughs> so Was that... Was that cards, or was it just that on average that had you had you not tried that before, and you're like, hey, we're gonna try this. This is for science. It seems like it should work, and and we gotta oh. try it. Or had you tried it before and it had worked? But uh, I do what, it all the time. And it works. It works really well. It, okay, it's amazing. She's very reliable, and even if she's stat five, she hits her shots. She heals. She does three five seven or three five six. She's a, she's a beater, and it's amazing. And people always underestimate her because of. You know, she's a set five, but I mean, when she hits, it's really, really hard. And usually she cripples whatever she goes after. And so games and years and years of game data with Anna Lovelace doing this, yeah. it shows favorably in my favor. Even if I burn him out of stones, like that's perfectly acceptable. But it just, you know, the 20% of the time never works. It did not work this time. And so like, that was a really big thing. Uh, Rusty Alice was doing a bunch of, you know, she was gunning me down. I couldn't really get to her. Uh, even when he scored Vendetta, she was so far away. I couldn't go back and touch her. You know, she's such a good model with rapid fire and three, four, five, heart ignoring heart of wounds. I mean, she just ate through my valedictorian. But I mean, other than Levy and, and uh, Rusty Alice, he didn't really have a lot of damage, which is why I was able to stay alive so long, you know? And so if you notice, like, the valedictorian on turn two dove towards Rusty Alice, but started trying to kill Marlene. And my rationale behind that was Marlene is an enforcer, so she can't really stone off damage. And I needed her to die because she does a lot of healing, a lot of support stuff. And if I could have killed her on turn two or even start turn three, I would have swung the game back in my favor. And he was able to move her in a way that I couldn't uh, shove aside into her. And, it just went even harder against me. And so, you know, finally gets down to the last turn. Uh, he's up by a point. I know what both of the schemes are. I haven't scored either of my scheme. We both have, I believe it's three points. Yeah, we both have three points for covered, op covered ops because we can't really stop each other from scoring it with four necropunks on the board. You're going to get it, the <laughs> yeah. points. But he um, had the best necropunk. He had the best necropunk, <laughs> who I had killed and gave him a point. So it's... Uh. Even better of a necropunk. Um, <laughs> He's the best necropunk. Yeah. And so, turn five, uh, I'm trying to finagle stuff in a way that's going to get me to tie. Right? I, I'm just I'm playing for a tie at this point. Levy goes and he takes Stuck from up from like 
nine or ten health down to two uh because of he had red joker on damage um shredded stuck and you know he left him at two and i was like okay so the goal is that i have my viscera he's going to charge stuck and kill kill von stuck right i'm gonna kill stuck as the last activation because if i kill him i can deny the scavenger from scoring hidden martyrs and then rusty Alice mm. just takes a pot shot and removes a viscera off the table and i go well <laughs> at least I got my hidden martyrs. Um, but uh, Stuck was able to deny a point entirely by targeting Rusty Alice with his bonus, Astronomical Insignificance, where you just mm. make them ignored for their schemes and strats. Uh, so, I mean, it's evil, but I love it, right? It's oh, so evil. Oh my gosh. He just looked at her and was like, yeah, you, you don't matter anymore. <laughs> and so um, that was the only reason why it was 6-5 to me. Um, because he killed my hidden Mars target, and Necropunk jumped and placed a ski marker as my my last activation uh, that he couldn't stop anymore, and then it was just game over. But you know, uh, I learned Anna can't really tank as much as I feel like she can, and that I need to be better with my positioning because my positioning in that game was horrible, uh, and I feel like that's just rust, right? When, when you don't play for two or three months. You just you get a lot of rust built up, so I'm definitely gonna start making back out to the to the uh, monthly tournaments. But no, it will be great to be seeing you around again for sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. So the positioning thing, and was it was there other things like that or other tips that you could you know is is it just that you need reps and you need to reflect on it afterwards, or are there actual tips besides hey when I line up here, make sure that I can get a follow on attack, or I, I'd love any specific positioning tips because that's definitely a weak area on mine. It's hard to say without actually seeing it in the game because positioning and not positioning for that turn, but positioning for the next turn is extremely important, especially whenever you're you're using models with flight because their positioning is so strong. Had I, when I dove on Marlene Webster, if my positioning was slightly better, I could have made it so she couldn't have been pushed away from Valetorian, she would die turn three. But because of a small miscalculation on where I landed, I was not able to shove her aside in a way that would get me to where I needed to go. It's very hard to talk about positioning whenever you don't have models on the table to talk about yeah, placements and movements and there. interactions. Exactly. Yeah, you need the terrain. You need. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But it also makes sense on that. And that kind of get, going back almost to the clock discussion, was, was that something that normally you just kind of know and you just eyeball it or is that normally something that you would you know that you would pre-measure and you know lay out markers if it's a critical one or is it that you didn't really realize that that was a critical movement until after the fact when you're like oh damn it you know i didn't realize it's critical until after the fact <laughs> okay and, and that's that that comes from rust right that that just comes from not playing the game for a while and being out of it uh once you when you're getting reps and you're playing you know one or two games a month or a week you start you know inherently knowing those moves that you have to be making those things you have to be thinking about and those automated thoughts of my position has to be x y and z to do these specific tasks and when you don't get the reps in it sort of bleeds away so 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 brian in hindsight do you think you should have hung back with anna instead of like uh, teleporting her forward with von stuck and just shot at levy or had, had has diving into levy worked for you before 
it it's worked for me in the past and i i feel like it's worked in the past because of maybe my opponents have been very carefree with levy's health right if when he reheals he just summons to a hollow wave and they come back so they've never invested the stones to keep him alive and i don't know if that's why okay it didn't work this time but i think that might be a factor it was carlo was very specifically doing whatever he could to keep levy alive and healed because he didn't want to deal with the teleport and other levy players i've dealt with don't really care because if he dies he dies i don't let's get him out of here right it also seemed like Carlo was really uh, cognizant of making sure he got his surge triggers off. So it seemed like his, his hand was pretty strong um, all he the rounds. did have a strong hand that whole game. Uh, his hand was stronger than mine, and I draw cards like nobody's business. <laughs> and the Whisper. And the Whisper, which yeah. helped me very rarely that game. <laughs> uh, it's very weird. It's, it's a strong upgrade and just didn't do what I needed to do that game. Um also, he's very he's very good about making sure to get stun off of Levy as fast as possible. And I'm not saying that as in he was doing condition removal, but the moment you know the valedictorian would stun him, he would go, "Okay, I need to go with Levy to get stun the stun condition off of Levy because of once you realize that Stuck does extra damage if you're stunned, he just <laughs> uh, I can't leave that on him. I can't leave this yeah. going." And so he's very cognitive about that. And overall, I mean, Carlo played a fantastic game. He, he's a great player. And he definitely came into it strong with having the right matchup into whatever into what I ran. And now, next time we match up, I won't be running Shook. I will be running something else. And it won't be Jack Dog because he expects that. It, <laughs> who knows? It might be Seamus. might be McMorning. I don't know. Carlo's special. Yeah, there, there'll be a list specifically for his levy list next time we play. Awesome. Well, best of luck to you on that one for sure. So, um, any questions from anybody else about the the during the game stuff? So, Brian, you're well known in the community of knowing your hand strength compared to your opponent's hand strength, and and where you stand based on how they flip, and whether that comes from experience on the table with foe or with other hobbies. Um, were there any moments where you were able to kind of suss out what uh, strength your your opponent's hand was, uh, uh, even whether he was laying down severes or or, or cheating with mods and 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 uh, weeks. Was there a moment where you knew that either a you were in trouble or b uh, uh, you were ahead uh, as far as hand strength? I don't feel like I had a good read that game, and I attribute that to the not playing for a while. So I don't know if I really got a good read on it. I did feel behind a lot of the time with his hand strength because he was hitting his surge triggers constantly in that game. And so, you know, if, not only with what he was cheating, the cards he was drawing, I did feel behind that entire game, which is why after turn three is literally just catch up. Can, can I catch up to this guy? Am I going to have an option? Am I going to get an opportunity? And I didn't draw a good hand or even cycle good cards into my hand with uh, with Stuck's Transmorous ability until turn six or turn five. On turn five is when I actually had a good hand and it didn't matter. But uh, I felt behind the entire game. Gotcha. Was he dodging the studied opponent act action or ability on the front of card uh, for most of Transmortis? 
based on suits or he was doing a little bit of cheating to prevent it uh he, he would cheat some of it off and then also just the cards i was drawing wasn't good i mean i wouldn't trade like a five or a 12 or trade a one for a 12 when i would cheat down to miss you know i never had a good cycling turn from what i can remember um i think maybe i drew red joker one time uh but it ended up not mattering that that turn it didn't make a big impact do you mind talking through that in a little more detail just for, for people that aren't familiar with that ability yeah the the transmortis ability studied opponent if if you tie suits with in a duel still gets to draw a card once per activation uh, and that's part model. So let's say that you shoot Anna Lovelace, she draws a card, and then you shoot Valedictorian in the same activation, she can draw a card because it's on both of their cards, right? And that's a keyword-wide ability. I figured I was going to the strong because he had a lot of built-in tomes on his defensive triggers, and some of his actually had built-in suits. So I thought I was going to be able to draw a bunch of cards, and I just I wasn't drawing what I needed, or I wasn't drawing enough. Um, it's very constantly uh, against me that game. It's very frustrating, which when people see good Stuck games, they see Stuck drawing five to eight cards a turn and they go, oh my God, that's so overpowered. But if your opponent is investing even a little bit into stopping that card draw, it's an entirely different game for them. So a question, if you are advising someone who's a new Stuck player, how do you best advise them to keep track of what suits are in the the uh, conflict there? Because it's not just off of the uh, what they flip, but also what's built in there. And a lot of times, I know I don't always remember my opponent's built-in suits, unless it's the, oh, right, they get this really good trigger off on it. For someone that's newer, so personally, I have my opponent's app on my phone, right? We shall be using Crufo. Uh, it's a great app if you're not using it. When my opponents are activating their models, I have their card up on my phone and I'm looking at their actions as they're taking them. So I'm constantly looking at my opponent's cards and not really reading them to get details of what they're trying to do, but I'm just trying to see if they have built-in suits. Now, there might be a scenario where I'm looking at it with a specific idea of, you know, Nikima's attacking my model. What's What trigger is she going to want to cheat to get? Oh, she has a great mask trigger so i'm gonna cheat in a mask because i'm assuming he's gonna cheat in a mask get shoved aside right so there is some game in the system there but for a newer stuck player have their cards on your phone and just glance at them constantly throughout the game just see if they have their suits and then just watch the suit tri- the suits in the conflict because that is a critical key to playing stuck and if you aren't hitting those Every single time that you can, you're going to lose the game. My worst losses with Stuck are the ones where my opponent is actively forcing me not to draw cards or I'm just getting unlucky flips and I'm not drawing. I would feel like if I'm not drawing three cards a turn, Stuck's behind. It's how I feel about it. A great question. Thanks for that. So already shifting to kind of after the game, would love to see... Uh, we talked to a bunch of different levels here uh, in our audience at Students of Conflict. Um, and uh, the, as we've talked before, I kind of represent the bottom third player, uh, someone who's maybe facing facing Bonstuck 2 for the first time. Uh, I'm my, my realistic hope is to learn a ton while I'm 
getting smashed and to not totally frustrate you. And I'm hoping just to kind of keep the differential as low as possible. I'm not really looking for a win. What kind of what kind of advice would you give to me if I'm facing Stuck for the first time? Or Stuck 2 in particular. So if you're facing Stuck for the first time, I would say that while his card draw is going to feel overpowering, don't let it mind game you into not cheating whenever the opportunity is good for you. Uh, a lot of times when I'm playing into newer players, you know, I'll draw three cards on turn two and they go, oh my God, he's just going to draw all these cards and they just, whatever, just draw your cards. I don't care anymore. And you cannot have that mindset in Stuck 2. You have to always be thinking, okay, well, did he hit his in and he didn't cheat? Okay, well, I, let me give, let me throw away this one or this two so he can't draw a card. Because each card that he draws is going to ramp up his power. And you have to constantly be looking for those scenarios to prevent those card draws. Also, when you attack, when you go in on Shook and you attack his models, don't split your attacks and focus on multiple models in the same activation because that's less opportunities for card draw, right? And then if you have a way to get around armor, it's going to be big. Uh, and I guess the last one is be very careful about placement because Shook is highly mobile. And he makes his crew extremely mobile with um, his stud, his, uh, oh my god, not studied opponent. I can't think of the name of the ability. Anatomy something something? Yeah. I literally just had that up in front of me. I, I literally just had it in front of me too, and I can't remember the name of the ability. I'm studying a study of anatomy. Study of anatomy, there we go. So that ability will let an Valedictorian on turn one place three inches up and you know, it's front of base to back of base. So on Valedictorian, that's a five inch move. Gain shield of two with armor one and gain a focus or take a walk to get into positioning. Same thing with Anna. And you just have to be aware that they're going to alpha strike you if if you allow them to. And then the opening turn two, you need to survive the onslaught because Valley's going to hit you with four attacks with two focus. So do what you can to survive. Bring armor, bring shielded bring a lot of stones, you know, you're going to need to dodge some stat seven attacks or survive it. So those would be the the advice of a new player playing into Stuck. Yeah, that's great stuff. How about kind of that next level up, you know, middle third player where they're, you know, hoping to give you a challenging game and may even eke out a win, you know, it's, uh, uh, and, and that they've played before. So what kind of advice would you give them against you? Yeah, you know, I don't want to give away secrets on how to beat me. Are you, are you crazy? Yeah. Yeah, we no, are. I mean, the, well, we've got you here. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I'm sitting here taking notes going, okay, I'm going to use this next time I play right? Brian online. I mean, everything I said for the first year is generally pretty average. The biggest thing, like Nick said, is I'm very good at my hand management and understanding hands. And any Stuck player worth their salt is going to be really good at manipulating their hands and knowing when to cheat, when not to cheat, when to cycle cards out. And so for a average player, you want to make sure that you're focusing on the Stuck hand, whether it's denying their card draw, whether it's forcing cheats, um, whether it's forcing card discards, whatever you can to get cards out of the Stuck hand is going to empower you later on in the game. That's great. How much does poker face matter against a Stuck player? Uh, against against me or against a Stuck player? <laughs> against I, I don't know. I, I don't know other people, but against me, yeah. a 
strong poker face is very important. I played poker competitively for a lot of years. I, I will say this for for Brian of anyone who I in our community who has that you know big difference between you know hey we're sitting here chatting with Brian now and in game mode one of the not not and I'm not saying that you're an asshole during the game or anything there Thanks. but it's a a switch flips and you're boom no the the emotion goes away unless you're really really tilted you're very good at what well, uh, this and I'm saying this is a compliment this is very much a poker thing you're yeah. very good at keeping your cards very close to your chest, not uh, giving away, okay, I've got a good hand here, or, oh, they thwarted my thing. You're, you're, you have a good poker face at the game in general, until it becomes that point of the, well, fuck. Yeah, I mean, into me, a poker face is really strong. I mean, there's all sorts of tells in a game of how fast someone spins a stone to draw cards, uh, what their eyes look like when they're pulling cards out, you know, what cards are touching when they're thinking about cheating, how if they pull on one and then they they stop and they pull another one. There's a lot of different small things that tell your opponent what they're doing with their hands and what their hand strength is. I mean, I've, I've got a lot of little tricks I do to try to make sure I limit those poker tells i don't know how much other people actually read them but i'm always looking for them because of your (laughs) hand strength compared to my hand strength is very important to me so but i guess also as a stuck player or any player that is got a card engine or a card mechanic that's able to draw a significant amount of cards um you've got to know as you're constantly drawing you're you're giving up your facial tell off of one card at a time, as opposed to your initial of six cards or seven cards. If you're an Arcanist player, um, that, uh, uh, you're, you have more options for tells on a one-off and constant card draw. I did that with Perdita. You're constantly drawing cards and, you know, someone like Brian's going to be able to tell if you place your cards at the, uh, the height, the strong cards at the front or the back of the deck, or if yep. you're shoving them in the middle, you know, they're moderates. So there's, there's tells that that can be played. And so I think maybe even common advice for players that uh, deal with a lot of card draw, keep your, your uh, poker tells or your, your poker face consistent, not only at the uh, draw phase, but also throughout the game as you're drawing cards regularly. Oh, I mean, I, we can do a whole two-hour episode on card manipulation, card decks, poker tells, poker faces, and how to make sure that you don't give away tells in a game. I mean, I've, we, we, we should not derail into that now because I could talk about that for literally hours. I do think that Poker Face is one of Lady Gaga's better songs. I mean, I do sing that song in the shower, so I agree. <laughs> There we go. With the outstanding. <laughs> All right, with that, then we're almost into the wrap up. So, folks who've been listening, thanks for hanging with us. That uh, I do want to ask for advice for a top third uh, player. The uh, what would you have done differently if you were advising yourself looking back at this game? Um, what do you, what did you learn? Uh, what did you wish you'd done different? You touched on some of those, but yeah, what were the big takeaways for you? Personally? I mean, it was be more careful with the anodives, and I don't know get more reps in so that way you're more comfortable also i feel like players in the texas meta are now starting to game me 
and <laughs> are starting to understand my playstyle and work on counters, which is fine. I mean, I did it to our local uh, player, Andre Dimmings, right? I mean, it's you, when someone is bringing the same crew con- over and over and over, you're going to be like, how do I beat this guy in theory crafting? And then when it comes up, you had that golden moment. And I think I need to start changing my play style a bit to try to throw uh, my fellow Texas players off a bit. Well, we are looking forward to that. Looking forward to that for the sh- for sure. So, already, I'm gonna play by you soon. There you go. Oh no, there's already too many. You can't do it. <laughs> already, any other questions or comments uh, from from the rest of the guests or the or the rest of the hosts? So, alrighty. So, thank you so much that uh, we are uh, wrapping up here. Uh, uh, very much appreciate that, Brian. And we are going to be heading off uh, shortly. You'll be able to listen to episode 2B, I guess. Or not 2B. That is the question. <laughs> coming coming your way soon. All right. Thank you all very much. Farewell. And well, hey, we'll see you all at uh, Captain Con. Because that's where we'll be when this episode comes out. Outstanding. Yeah. Students of Conflict is brought to you by Top Dog Design. Check out topdogdesign.com for all of your Malfo terrain needs. Top Dog Design, 3D printable designs to enhance your tabletop. Students of Conflict is not an official product of Weird Miniatures LLC. All intellectual property belonging to Weird Miniatures is used with permission. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of entities they represent. Any content provided by our guests and or hosts are their opinion and not intended to malign any group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Woo! Mark this down at 3620 is where it gets weird.